Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag college football. Um, but I think the bottom line is, what do the majority of your teams th- uh, think? Majority of our schools. So in our conference, we have multiple uh, states that are more open than, say, California. And we didn't want to, as a conference, constrict them from being able to begin earlier than maybe others. So although there may be some that aren't ready June 15th, um, there may be quite a few that are to start their process. That's David Shaw, the Stanford coach. And... PK, he made some more comments there, and just reading between the lines, it sounds like the Cal- the, the Pac-12 coaches in general and the California coaches in particular weren't thrilled with the way the rest of college football was talking about them. In what way? Uh, we're not going to be ready to play, leaving us behind. It just seemed like, and, and there, the story I read on this had uh, like three events that were either misrepresented or misunderstood, but all things that could be used for negative recruiting on California kids. In the case of Stanford, you know, they're recruiting all over the country, so they might be recruiting against the SEC in Texas. Um, but the, the thought that Alabama was getting a backup plan in case they didn't play USC, which honestly, I think Alabama probably did, and they probably should have. They've since denied it. Um, but, hey, if, if travel is going to be a problem and if USC isn't coming and Alabama wants to go to Dallas, well, play TCU, right? They wouldn't have to travel. That actually made sense to me. That sounded like a smart plan B. But it just it sounded like the picture was being painted. And part of it was because Feinbaum said something. And I think the rest of the country views him as an SEC honk. And in the SEC, they view him as a, a genius and a legend. So I guess it just depends on where you live. Um, but the Pac-12 is ready to play. And... Shaw was able to get out and say that. At least okay. he believes it. And the stories you read then. So what you're saying is you read fake news. <laughs> well, I think what I read was that there had been fake news for months all at the Pac-12's expense. At least that's the way Shaw seemed to be presenting it now. Yeah, it doesn't matter... Uh... You know what your persuasion is when people start getting into your wallet and, and maybe harming your program, you're going to come to its defense, and that's what I took Shaw as saying. Yeah, former USC quarterback JT Daniels will transfer to the University of Georgia. Georgia is not short on quarterbacks, but now they got one more. Not clear if he can play this season or if he's going to have to sit out a year. I expect he's going to have to sit out a year, but I guess we don't know that for sure. Yeah, in my mind, he already sat out a year, so I would like to see him get that waiver. I don't know that he will, but, you know, he got hurt very early in the first game, as we know, and then didn't play the entire year, so basically he would have to sit out two years. And now he can still work out, obviously, and so it's not like being a missionary kid where you're running around in a shirt and tie most of the time. So when it does come to pass that he can get back out on the field, he'll be a lot more sharp or sharper because he'll have these opportunities to work out. But I would like to see him be eligible immediately if that's what he wants. Former Wake Forest starter Jamie Newman expected to be the starter for UGA as a grad transfer who joined the Bulldogs earlier this offseason. 
So I guess what we'd have to know from JT that probably aren't going to know is, do you think you'd beat him out even coming to the program at this late date? Uh, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, he's uh, Newman is getting in, in the program. At a, they're getting the Fairly program at the same time. Yeah. I don't know that he was there in the whatever, if they had any version of a spring ball anyway. Uh, but I don't know if that's what Daniels wants because he might want to have, we saw Eason do this exact same thing, leave, uh, leave Georgia, go to Washington, sit out, and then only play one season. And played a little bit as a freshman, sat out, blah, 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 then gets us up at the third year, you're eligible for the draft. So JT, I don't know if that's what he's looking for, if he would just as soon get this year, because if he has a big year next season, irregardless, he's going to plan to go to the NFL. How many quarterbacks can USC lose before it impacts USC? I guess you'd have to know how healthy they're going to stay before you can really answer that. But we know Sears left the program to go to Boise State, and we know Daniels is going to Georgia. But they were pretty well, deep at quarterback, yeah. too. So. Well, I think this is just a sign of the times. It's not who you don't have, it's who you have. Ben Olsen left, and Max Hall was just fine. In fact, Max Hall won more games than anybody in the history of the program as a starting quarterback. So they're, they're going to have quarterbacks because every year, it's, it's what I said a few weeks back, these programs that were dominant at other positions but seemed to lack NFL talent at quarterback, they're now getting NFL talent. And so it's becoming one after another. So SC is in fine position because they're just going to keep rolling as far as getting the best of the best. And now we're seeing these top flight programs, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, that normally didn't put a whole lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. Now they're lining up. So for USC now, slowest at quarterback, Fink's the backup. And we're done with scholarship quarterbacks. That's SC's depth chart now. But as long as one of those two is healthy, Fink played well against the Utes. Guess he wasn't as good the rest of the time, but he played well against the Utes. So. Georgia head coach Kirby Smart said no one will be forced to return to Georgia's campus if they don't feel safe. He said, quote, there's obviously some apprehension and questions, but they have those same questions whether they're in Huntsville or in Macon or in Columbus. I know that our facility is one of the safest, and we certainly have the ability to care for that facility better than a lot of places. They can go back home. Close quote. SEC's got voluntary workouts coming up June 8th, which seems to be pretty much what we're hearing, you know, give or take a week. Well, you quote Kirby Smart, but you can fill in the blank on every single coach because nobody wants any other program to get an advantage over their own programs. So every coach in this country can say, ours places is one of the safest places you can be, blah, blah, blah. And we'll see if they're true. Hopefully it is true. Iowa AD Gary Barta said Thursday, I was planning to have unrestricted crowds at Kinnick Stadium. They averaged 65,557, which was uh, the 20th best attendance in uh, FBS last year. I was also modeling for reduced capacity crowds, depending on guidelines from the state, the CDC, and other agencies. If Iowa has reduced capacity crowds for football, Barta says season ticket holders, priority points holders, and students will be admitted first. I assume there's a whole ranking order based on how expensive your seats are and how much money you're donating to the athletic department. Uh, There's no need to assume that. (laughs) You know it. I guess the only surprise is students, but, uh, you know, they tend to provide the noise and the energy. So, uh, hey, let's get some students in there and provide some noise and energy. That would be a horrible look if students weren't allowed in and others were. DJ and PK. 
Hashtag NFL. The NFL would like to get coaches back into the building next week. And what I had heard was conservatively the end of the week that they had hoped to get, you know, head coaches back into their buildings. And then at that point, a conversation could take place about whether or not it was possible and feasible to squeeze in something with players before what would be the break. That's Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports talking about NFL coaches returning to team facilities. It's been Zoom meetings, but it won't be long now before they're back in the building in the flesh. Right on. Arizona Cardinals star, cornerback Patrick Peterson, weighing his decision to play this upcoming season. He's diabetic. He was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes during the 2014 season. said Thursday if the proper protocols are followed, such as temperature checks and wearing masks and gloves, then he'll be comfortable playing when and if the NFL decides to play. He would be more at risk than the average player because of the diabetes. As for uh, those guys, and we read I know baseball may not end up going. We'll get to that here in a minute. But uh, read stories. There are a lot of profiles out there of a lot of baseball players who were at risk for uh, one health reason or another. And for those, everybody's got to make the decision. But you know the clock's ticking on your career and on those paychecks. So you're going to, I think in most cases, try to find a way to play if you can. I would easier, think. easier for us to say than for them to do, but still, that's what we would think, yes. Ravens head coach John Harbaugh says there are no plans to implement a quote-unquote conventional offense around NFL MVP Lamar Jackson. His quote, I wouldn't say we're going to scrap the run game, and I wouldn't say we're going to become a more conventional offense. That's the last thing we want to do. We didn't change the offense to scrap the idea that we want to cause people problems. We just want to get better at taking advantages of weaknesses. So that's all... Pretty much cut and paste what you would expect there. How much are they really going to run Lamar Jackson? He's the MVP, and you definitely want to get him hit as little as possible. But you want to run him as much as possible, and those two things will always be at odds. Well, you have to see what he is as far as his health, because as you know, he's a smaller Taysom Hill. (laughs) Good one. I see what you did there. Maybe go back a couple weeks. It's good work. Well, actually, we had to go back earlier this week. You weren't here, but I did use that line. But this is fresh to you. It a little bit. Yeah. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. There's a lot of momentum to have more than 16 teams be there. And obviously, Zion Williamson's inclusion, the Pelicans' inclusion is part of that calculus. But I also think like that calculus is larger in the sense that I think that they just don't want to, A, go in and directly have playoffs. I think they want to play, like, I mean, as many games as they can still and have it be credible. Dan Wakey from the L.A. Times there. Are they going to take 16 teams back to Orlando for the NBA season? Are they going to take 20 or 24? Doesn't seem like they're going to take 30. Uh, question of the morning, what do you want the NBA season to look like going forward? And the NBA's got several plans and is trying to narrow it down. Seems like 20 or 24 is the number it's going to end up being. I guess what everybody thinks, everybody have their opinion and drop their own plan. Jumping straight into the playoffs, you'd assume you'd just see some bad basketball in the first round, at least, while they tried to get back into some kind of rhythm. Uh, yeah, we've been discussing this ad nauseum. But I'm just going to wait and see what they come up with before going, well, they should do this or that. It's, it's, I'm, I'm tired of them discussing what they're going to do. I know they still have to do it, but as Jim Olson told us early in the week, 
It's coming a time here real soon. you got to put a stake in the ground, to use his phrase. Let's we'll wait and see whatever that stake looks like once it's in the ground. So the GMs were on a conference call with uh, Adam Silver yesterday. Uh, the Board of Governors is going to be on a conference call today, although there are already reports that they're not going to decide today. This will be more discussion, but no stake in the ground. An informal poll found the GMs favored to play in tournament over the group stage format by a significant margin. 75% of the teams voted in favor of a play in tournament. 25% of the teams voted in favor of the group stage. Half of the league's GMs wanted to go straight to the playoffs and cancel the regular season. And just over half of the league voted to receive the playoffs 1-16 to without factoring in conference affiliation. Zero commitment to any one plan, a GM told Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer. So they'll vote, they'll meet today, but they won't vote today, so eventually we'll find out. But apparently, not later today. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The critical time is not today. The critical time is next week. Because next week is when uh, MLB and the union would really have to have an agreement in place that, will, that allows them to uh, get the season going by July, which is important because that would hopefully allow there to be enough games where the players make closer to the money that they were expecting to make and MLB is able to get the postseason in in time uh, to hopefully avoid a second spike in cases in the fall. That's John Morosi, Fox Sports, on the importance of the next week for Major League Baseball. Scott Boris weighing in, telling his clients to refuse Major League Baseball's attempt to cut salaries during negotiations with the Players Union. Uh, he sent out an email. Associated Press got a hold of it. Uh, Boris wrote that the players shouldn't, should not alter terms of their March 26 agreement, saying, remember, games can't be played without you. Players should not agree to further pay cuts to bail out the owners. Let the owners take some of their record revenues and profits from the past several years and pay you the prorated salaries you agreed to accept or let them borrow against the asset values they created from the use of those profits that players generated. Enough is enough, he says. 50% pay cut's good enough. You don't need to take 75 or 80. So right now, everybody's posturing. According to John Rossi there, it'll be a week before push comes to shove and they got to find the middle ground they're going to need if they're going to play. So another week of posturing. That's exciting because everybody really wants to see the posturing. Can you see posturing? Yes, I think you can. Okay. Well, when you see it, you let me know. Well, I think when we saw the owners uh, cutting players, uh, sending the message with some minor leaguers, in all it'll be about a 1,000 when it's said and done, which isn't that probably about how many minor leaguers get pushed out every year? Maybe a few more? Well, that was going to happen either way, wasn't it? Yeah. Happening now to save the 400 bucks a week over the next couple of months when they weren't going to be playing, and then delay the draft, minimize the draft, cut the draft down to five rounds, delay when you sign international guys. Those would be the 1,000 players coming into the pipeline. Well, limit the players coming into the pipeline because you're not going to play right away. And then you multiply it times 400 bucks a week times however many players, and you can figure out how much money they're saving every week. David Price is going to be paying the Dodger minor leaguers. Stepping in and writing checks. Yeah. He's going to look like a hero. Yes, Putting he is. his own money out there. Yep. Today's an interesting day in MLB. Three years ago today, Bryce Harper charged the mound against Hunter Strickland. And Hunter Strickland, who was upset like two years earlier when Price 
or Bryce hit a home run and sort of stood there a little bit. And he charged him out, chucked the helmet, but he purposely threw it to the right of him. I just happened to be watching that day. It was Labor Day, Memorial Day, and I happened to be watching it live. I saw Harper's eyes get really big as he charged them out. And then also, too, and here's your chance to say what we all know you're going to say. 31 years ago today, Mike Schmidt retired. Crying in the locker room in San Diego. The game always breaks your heart, PK. It's just a question of whether you're 12, 16, 18. In his case, he played pretty late into his 30s, didn't he? I'm not sure how old he was. I'd have to double-check that. Uh, I would guess if you're hitting, accumulating the number of home runs, well over 500 that he had, you had to have been playing at a, a decent amount of uh, time there. Well, you gave me something to do in the next break, so thank you for that. I'll be doing the math on that. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener. Shamrock Plumbing, 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, will be here at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Dr. David Petron to talk about the phase reopening of Utah athletic facilities. And at 9.30, Ben Golliver. National NDA writer for the Washington Post. That's all ahead with DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.